0: Welcome to the broadcast of Riverside Church in Princeton, North Carolina. Riverside Church preaching Christ and Him crucified. For more information, check out our website at www.riversidefwb.com. As you grab your Bible, looking in James chapter number five, we'll be looking at verse number seven. We might make it to twelve, but I doubt it. I'm just going to be honest tonight. I want you to I want you to grab your Bible because we here at Riverside choose to believe the Bible because it is a reliable collection of historical documents written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. It reports supernatural events that took place in fulfillment of prophecy. It's divine, not human in origin. We here at Riverside believe in the five solas. I will go through them really quickly. Sola Scriptura. Which which is the Bible alone. Sola fidei, which is faith alone. Sola Christus, which is Christ alone. The fourth one being sola gracia, which is grace and grace alone. Sola deo gloria, which is God alone receives the glory. We live and die and breathe and have our, li- our being by these five solas. And today will be no different as we go verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And we look in James chapter number five tonight. I won't keep you too long, but I'm going to say everything that needs to be said. As we receive the word of the Lord tonight, we receive it as the oracles of God. It's not my opinion, it's not my thoughts, it's not what I think the commentary is. It's me explaining what the text says, keeping it in context. So we go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, looking at James chapter 5 verse 7. James being the half-brother half brother of Jesus there in the town of Jerusalem. He has now established the, the religious movement known as Christianity, believing that Jesus is is God. And if there's anything I know it, it takes a move of God to make somebody believe that their sibling is God. I, I told you that I've got brothers and I tell you they are not God. They might be the devil but they are not God. So that takes a move of God. So it doesn't matter how hard hearted you are, how much doubt you have in your mind or how unsteady things are. God will intervene and change your heart. That's why Jesus says you must be born again. Tonight I ask are you born again? Do you have a different relationship with Jesus Christ, and when you have a different relationship with Jesus Christ, you have a different relationship with sin. Look back over your life in the last ten years, the last ten months, or the last ten days. Is your relationship different with Christ today, and different with sin? Are you embracing sin? Are you diving headfirst into sin, looking for opportunities to sin? Now, don't get me wrong. We do fail, and we do slip up, and we do blatantly sin in the face of God. But He shows us grace, and when we when we fail and we fall in the presence of God. It doesn't make us run from God. It makes us come to Him because He bestows grace upon us. Oh, that's so good. When I fail, I don't run from the church. I don't run from God's people. I come to them. When shame is on me, it tells me, you can't go back now. You messed up. You cannot come back to God. No, don't believe that. Come. His arms are wide open. Why else would He spread His arms out on the cross? That's a that's a posture of embrace. That you come to Jesus, no matter how dirty you are. Don't run from from him if you got a gaping wound in your body, you go to the emergency room. I hope, unless you are skilled in sewing yourself up or know somebody who can who can sew you up with a needle, you go to a place where you get help. Amen. And if you need help today, come to Jesus. Come to if you are unsteady today, come to Jesus. If you got doubts today, come to Jesus. If you're depressed today, come to Jesus. If you are scared today, come to Jesus. If, Je- if you are a failure today, come to Jesus. If we look in James chapter number five, verse seven, he begins, he says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until he receives the early and the late rains. I want to let you know that. Here, here! Recently, yours truly has been dabbing in the garden. I'm just—I got inspired from the Hope Center. They got a garden going on. I was like, "Well, I think I want to try that. That sounds fun." So we we planted a couple of potatoes. And we looked at the plan and said, "Well, it's been a while. We planted them potatoes. let's go in there and let's go in there and reap them, let's go ahead and harvest those potatoes." And when we did, we had small potatoes. They were was, they was little knots. they were small. But if we, we waited and had patience, not jumping the guy, I just wanted some fried potatoes, I guess, but we, we didn't wait, and we were not patient. But here here James tells you to be patient, be, be patient. Therefore, brothers, he's speaking to Christians. He's telling us to be patient. Well, well, what does he mean being patient for? Does he mean being patient in the McDonald's drive-thru whenever they're taking forever and you finally get up to the speaker and you will order an ice cream cone and the ice cream machine's broken? What are you being patient for? Are you being patient with your spouse? Are you being patient for that tax return that probably won't come? Are you being patient for the the gas to go down and it probably won't? Are you being patient? Are you long-suffering? Well, he tells us, he commands us, brothers until the coming of the Lord. I want to let you know that no matter what your idea of eschatology is, eschatology is the teaching and, and, and theology of the end times. There are people who believe in post-mill, pre-millennial, post-trib. There's all kinds of philosophies and ideas about the Bible, how it's interpreted. Jesus is going to be coming back before the rapture. Jesus is coming back after the rapture. He's coming back before the millennial or after the millennial. There's all these different teachings, but I want to let you know, in every one of those teachings across the board, all of Christianity, we stand on the fact that Jesus is coming back. Amen. Amen. That's right. That should excite you that my Lord will not abandon me. He's not leaving me here. That, that this is not all. This is not the end. That Jesus is returning. Right. If you knew that the preacher's stopping by your house this afternoon, you probably leave church a little early. And say, I got to go home and tidy up. I don't want the preacher to walk in and see the roaches everywhere. I don't want him to see the dirty dishes. I want to at least vacuum when the preacher comes. And we make that such a fuss for the little old preacher. But what about the King of Kings and Lord of Lords in our lives? If we knew he was coming back this afternoon. If he told you the exact date in the Gospels. Oh yeah, I'm coming back July 21st at 5.55. You better be ready. P.M. or A.M.? Okay, A.M. You better be ready. You might, I might be asleep, Jesus, but I'm ready. <laughs> 5.55 A.M. Well, we, you know what we would do. You, you would do just like me. You would live it up. Oh, he's not coming back till then, so I could do what I want. I can live however I want. Say what I want to say. And right there at the last minute, confess my sins and embrace His grace. Because we take advantage of grace. That's just what we do. That's our nature. So instead, He says, I- I'm coming back. And when I come back, I want to find you faithful. So He tells us to be patient. Oh, man, can we preach about anything else other than patience? Oh, Patience. What does patience look like? What does patience look like? Is those the people waiting in the waiting room at the doctor's office? The patience. No! Patience is long-suffering. Patience is trust that's extended. Patience is waiting and believing something. Do you have patience? I want to let you know that when he talks about the former here, he uses a good analogy. Whenever... In Palestine, which is the setting that this text was written. Because remember, James was writing from the city of Jerusalem. And that's Palestine. And usually in the fall is the early rains. And that's usually around October and November. The farmers would eagerly await. Because they planted something and they were waiting for the seed germination to be possible. The heavy rains came around December through February. And finally the spring rains will come around April and May. These rains represent a process from which they cannot harvest. They have to wait. Are you patient? Even though you're not receiving a harvest quite yet. Are you patient in sowing in righteousness? Are you patient? are you just getting tired? I'm tired of waiting around. I, I've invested my time in reading my Bible, and I got to be patient to let that faith germinate and let the roots run deep. I, I want it now. If you like me, let's be honest. You put your burrito in the microwave and you shut the door and you put five seconds and you stand in front of the microwave. Hurry up! I'm hungry. You're just impatient. You're just like me. But the harvest, it's not time for the harvest. Preacher, I'm waiting for the rains. Uh, the the plant looks like it's ripe. Do I, the, what's, what's the hold up? Whatever it is. Whatever it is in your life that you are waiting and being patient with God. Well, what is it? It's not that you're being patient with God. It's God is being patient with you. Amen. Amen. Yes. God, i I'm waiting. I'm waiting for you to move in my family. I'm waiting. I'm praying and I'm waiting. How much longer, Lord? How much longer? Do I keep waiting or do I give up? Do I stand here and keep standing here preaching the gospel to a people who seem like their hearts are hardened? Or do I keep preaching and tealing away? Keep waiting. How long do I keep inviting my neighbor to come to church? I'm patient, Lord. I'm praying for them. How long do I keep doing this? I'm waiting for the rains. How long do I keep praying for that hard-headed, not-headed spouse? Or that crazy son of mine? Or that little brother or that older brother of mine? How long do I keep praying for them? How long, oh Lord, do I keep self-denying myself? What I wanted, to do, I want to do this, but I know it's not edifying to you. I know it does not glorify you. So Lord, I'm being patient. And I don't like being patient because you hurry up and hurry up, God. Oh, I'm just being a little honest. Preacher, could you tone it down? No. We need to have patience. I didn't say that was fun. Many times we stand in the hallway and wait for God to open the door. But if you're going to stand there until he opens the door, why not lift your hand and praise him as you're being patient? Maybe sometimes you need to slow down. Maybe sometimes he blots out all the noise and says, Hey, now you got time to pray a little more with me. That's right. Let the roots run deep. But Lord, it's raining a long time, and I know it's raining on me. It's raining on me, but it's good for me, I know, because all things work towards good. And the patience, Lord, I'm suffering and I'm hurting in my patience. I don't want to keep waiting. I don't have the strength to keep waiting. If you're honest here, you're probably thinking that or you thought that or you're going to think that because there's going to be a time where you have to be patient. But I want to let you know that in the soul, a soul that has no tears will never have any rainbows. And those rainbows are promises. It's not Pride Month. I know that was last month. We're done with all that. (laughs) We're, We're done But the rainbow is the promises of God. Even in the tears and standing in the middle of the rain, before the harvest, before the good comes about, and you're in the middle of tears and you're drenched and you're tired and you're weary. God's still faithful. He still keeps His promises. God still keeps His promises. Have you ever met those people that don't keep the promises? Oh yeah, I'll be there. You can count on me. I got your back. And you go, right. You roll your eyes. Sure. I'll let you know that if you're holding a Bible or you're using your phone tonight, that is God's resume. He keeps His promises. Never once do you thumb through His resume and see where He drops the ball. He ignores somebody. He don't have time for somebody. He changes His mind about who He saves. Never once He keeps His promises. He does not lie. So tarry on. Be patient. Believe Him. It's dark here. I don't know if I can believe it. It's scary here. I'm in a valley. I feel like I'm abandoned. I feel like nobody understands me. I feel this and I feel that, Pastor. Well, remember what the Bible says. We walk by how we feel. No, it does not say that. We walk by faith. Lord, you said you'll never leave me or forsake me. But I feel like I'm alone. But He said He'll never leave you or forsake you. I feel like I'm cast out. He says, by no means will I cast you out. Even though I walk through a valley, I'm in a valley. Isn't that obvious that you will go through valleys? He says in the book of Psalms, I will not fear because you are with me. You might be walking in a valley, a dark, deep place, but He's with you. Patience. Patience. He says, be patient. Therefore, brothers, maybe we read that a little different now. Maybe we can wrap our heads around it as he commands his children to be patient until the coming of the Lord. When will he come? I don't know when he'll come. I don't have a date. There have been false teachers and prophets. I want to let you know this. In my years of serving Jesus, and some of you eclipsed me by decades, many decades, where you served Jesus, you have seen where pastors and preachers have said, Jesus is coming on this date. And it didn't happen. It didn't go down that way. And then I'll come back and they'll reiterate and amend what they say and say, Oh, I made a mistake. I didn't carry the one. What we'll do is say, It's going to be the next year, the next month. And we've seen it come and go where well, Jesus did not come back. I want to let you know if you know of any preacher, or any pastor who uh, predicted that Jesus came back on this day and he didn't, false prophet, lose all accountability. You know that, right? In the Old Testament, what they used to do when that false prophet was proven to be false, they took him out in the street and they stoned him to death. Maybe we should start doing that. That all the bad preachers would shut up or at least retire. Amen. Somebody. Amen. Let's start stoning some preachers around here. Yes. But we see he says that the coming of the Lord, until the coming, how long do you be patient? How long do you tarry until he comes back? Not until next Saturday when you throw in and say, th- I don't want to do this. I'm tired. I'm weary. I ain't got enough faith anymore. I can't hold on any longer. You keep faithful until he returns. That's what it says. That's That's the limit. Until he returns. Oh, it's easy to say, ain't it? It it preaches good. And everybody's like, yeah, man, yeah. But then Monday morning comes around, And you got to deal with them. Or you got to deal with them on the way home. Or you got to talk to them on the phone. And you got to be patient. How much patience we talking, preacher? 10%? I got I got five. I can probably pull 10% patience. Be as patient with whoever or whatever as Jesus is with you. Yes. If you can't say amen, say, oh my. We see where he says, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Be patient about it until he receives the early and the late rains. I know you're thinking. I've got no harvest. I have, not, I have not benefited from this. The getting up early, going to work. I have not benefited for this. I have, not pers- I have not done anything but loss by going to church. It's cost me time and it's cost me money for the gas. It's cost me a lot. It's cost me friends. I have not benefited anything. Well, I want to remind you that that's the deal the devil gave to Jesus. Come and worship me and I'll give you all this. Remember, he told Jesus, if you just bow down, I'll give you a crown. What he was telling Jesus is, you don't have to have a cross to get a crown. What you can do is bypass all that and I'll give you a crown. You can be king of the world because it's mine to give. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. I'll sow and I'll reap a harvest and we're the harvest. He bled. He died. He went to the cross and now he wears the victor's crown. There are no shortcuts here. You don't, out, you don't outsource your, your, your religion. You don't outsource your Christianity. You don't outsource your Bible reading. You don't outsource your righteousness and your holiness. You don't call up the preacher and say, Would you pray extra today? I'm just too busy. I can't, I can't find time. You, you are to be patient in prayer. You, you are to be patient. You are to cry out to God. In some some parts of the world, there are some trees that bear no fruit. The reason being is because where they grow, the environment never has any storms. So the roots don't go deep into the earth to draw from its resources. But around here, We've had some hurricanes. I know you, you've been here maybe two or three years, but we've had some hurricanes, bro. I'm telling you, you probably have some. I'm just picking on you. But we've had some storms, and the roots and the trees will grow deep here to, to take the winds that come its way, and they bear fruit. Much can be said in our lives. Are you in the middle of a storm, coming out of a storm, getting ready to go into one? It's to make your roots stronger. I've reminded you over and over again that God is not mad at you. He's not beating you like you're some cheap sock puppet that's filled with cotton candy and He's just pounding on you until you can't walk. The wrath of God was poured out on Jesus on our behalf. So why? Why do we have hard times now? We've studied it in the book of James and we'll continue to study it for the next five decades here at the river as long as God tarries and has me here to be patient and laboring in the vineyard. We remember that God simply prunes us. I know you understand when I say you have a vine there with grapes and if you prune back a little bit, it will be more flourishing the next year. If you prune back a plant, it will grow back stronger. God is pruning you. He's not doing it to harm you. He's not sadistic in heaven laughing every time you trip up and fall. He's not sending angels to cause you to stumble and fall. Whenever we stumble, whenever we fall, God is simply taking the gospel which is like sandpaper to our hearts and He's shaving off the rough edges to make us into the image of Christ. To make us look like Jesus. He's simply carving away at us. Michelangelo, not the ninja turtle. Michelangelo, the greatest artist who was in the Renaissance, they asked him, How did you sculpt this image of David? I'm sure you've seen David. He's he's standing like this, and he's he's all muscular and he's got curly hair when he carved it out of marble stone. Marble Michelangelo said, Well, he was already in the stone. I just chiseled away everything that wasn't David. That's the story of you, Christian. That God is making you into the image of Christ. That's why people like me get hammered so hard. I'm just going to be honest. That's why God puts me on the anvil and takes the the Word and hammers me like crazy. Because I'm not in the image of God. I ain't going to speak for you. I ain't picking on anybody. I know me. That's why He hammers like crazy on me. To make me into the image of Jesus. Jesus. That's why He tells me here to be patient. With each blow of the Bible on the anvil, the blacksmith is making me into the image of Jesus. That's why each hardship comes my way to make me pray. That's why I can't just live an easy life because I'll get lackadaisical in my prayer. That's why I, I can't just fall over backwards and always walk in perfect health because I would never cry out to Him that's why I, I, I find myself in the middle of the valley. Because I need to be reminded that he won't leave me or forsake me. That's why I face afflictions in my body. To know that he is a healer. We see here that the precious fruit that he's talking about is found in Galatians. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and kindness. We see that. The late rains and the early rains. I don't know where you are in your, in your walk with God. Maybe you're in the early rains. You're new to this and God is simply pouring down His mercy on you and now you're, you're seeing yourself grow. Or maybe you're in the middle of the whole process and I ain't doing much growing, God, but I'm simply trusting in you. Or maybe you're in the, the, the end of the season and now it's time for the, 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 the wonderful bounty. Maybe it's time for the harvest and all of it. Trust God. That's my point here tonight. Is to stir your heart of Keep trusting Him. Having patience with Him. And second, Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 13. As for you brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. In Galatians 6, 9. Let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. I've served the Lord a long time, you might say. And my loved ones still are not saved. All the more to continue to pray. I, I serve God. I'm new to the game. I'm new here. I, I'm, I'm just, I've heard about Jesus all my life, but now it's finally dawned on me. He's finally got a grip on me. And I'm excited about what He has done and what He will do. Continue to pray. No matter where you are and what season you are, Jesus is the reason for all the seasons. I know we say that at Christmas, but it's just so fitting now. Jesus reigns over it all. Continue to trust in Him. Don't grow weary. Oh, weary soldier, I know you're weary. Your head is hanging low. Your back is bulging. Your knees are buckling. In fact, some of you are face down. Let me remind you that our victor has won. You're not taking anything. He has conquered. He has conquered the enemy. He has slaughtered and decimated them. And you're fighting from a vantage point of victory. You are free. You are clean. You are redeemed. You are justified. You are His. He owns you. He's above all things, all principalities. He reigns forever. So lift up your head, O oh, weary soldier. Our God reigns from on high. He is King of... Kings and Lord of Lords. No one will take him down. He will not be defeated. He reigns forever and ever. There is no turn limit on his reigning. There will not be a re election. There will not be an impeachment. Our God reigns. So if you are weary, be patient and remember his promises. Even in the middle of the tears. Even if you ain't happy. Oh, I ain't happy. If I had that, I'd be happy. If I had that, I'd be, that's a lie. You know it. You got that car, you didn't get happy. You know you did. You married them and you sure ain't happy. <laughs> Alright now, y'all laughing too much. It's all the married people, I <laughs> We We got that new gadget, and it didn't make us happy. That's what they sell us on the commercials. Get this, and you'll finally be happy. <laughs> I asked my wife, she said, I want this. I said, Will you finally be happy? She'd laugh and laugh. <laughs> That's just the running joke we got. But we're not trying to find happiness because there's nothing here that will fulfill that ultimately for us as Christians. We spoke about that this morning about being satisfied in God. Where well, we have joy unspeakable in God. That means even if my health fails, my hope is not found in my health. That means if my mind is to fracture and break, my hope is not found in my mental facilities. My my hope is not found in the mighty dollar. My hope is not found in my relationships and friends around me. Oh, I do love those things and they help me cope and they are good to have, but that's not where I state my claim of peace. My hope... And joy is found in nothing less than Jesus Christ and His righteousness. On Christ alone, I stand all around me is seeking said. Oh, don't make us all sing up in here. It's a song, that's right. Christ alone on the solid rock I stand. Where I find my identity and my hope in Him and nothing less than Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. That's where the patience comes along. You'll be able to be more patient with preaching like this. Wouldn't you? Because if you came in here and say, and you hear me say, try harder, give more, do more, how many would you collapse from exhaustion from hearing that? I'm doing all I can, or you're, you'll say, I can't do anything, and I don't want to do anything. That's the truth. But what if I told you he has accomplished? He has accomplished it all. I, I want to let you know when Jesus was hanging on the cross. He said, "It is finished." He didn't say, "I'm finished." Jesus didn't say, "I'm finished." He said, "It's finished. What is it? What has separated us from God? It's done. The debt has been paid. You are redeemed, you are justified. you are cleaned. It's done. So when Jesus bowed his head, it was not a bowing of defeat. It was a down payment where he saved and redeemed his people. It's finished. So whenever I say, you don't have to go to church. You don't have to read your Bible. You don't got to tithe. You don't even got to pray. You get to. You get to pray. You get to read your Bible. You get to go to a church where crazy people yell at you for at least an hour about how great Jesus is. And you're like, tell me some more. Tell me more about that, how wonderful and how grand he is and how he reigns over everything. And that's my God who I serve. Yes. That gives you patience. That'll get you through Monday. But just like a meal today, I know us. Fourth of July weekend, independence, hot dogs, steaks, hamburgers. We're going to eat. Somebody's going to eat. Somebody's going to cook. Amen. And we're going to eat and have a good time. But that meal ain't going to carry us all week. We will eat again, I pray. I hope you do. Some of it we look at, we know we eat again. Just like this sermon will be enough for right now. You will need a refreshing and a refilling. Romans 12, 1 and 2. You're going to need to open your Bible and feed again. Come, gentle shepherd, feed your flock. As I open His Word and I'm patient with Him, under His his yoke, under His staff, I submit myself, my facilities, all that I am, all my thoughts, my hands and my feet, all to Him in patience. Lord, here I am, use me in patience. We look at verse number 8. That was my intro. Look at verse number (laughs) 8. You also be patient. Establish your hearts. For the coming of the Lord is at hand. He tells us again. Why is he repeating himself? Do you know why he repeats himself? Do you know why your preacher repeats himself? You know why I tell you we choose to believe the Bible because it's a real... I, and when I do that, some of you are saying it along with me. But that's why I do that. So when somebody comes to, hey, why do you believe the Bible? Oh, it's been a library collection of historical... Because I've beat it into you for the last six years. Well, why do you believe this? Why do you believe the Bible? I believe the Bible on solo tour. Why do you believe in faith? What's that mean? Faith alone, scripture alone, Christ alone, God, God alone receives the Lord, grace alone. I have implanted it in you, repetitiveness. But here we see James does the same thing. He tells us you also be patient. Somebody just needs to hear this. Be patient. I don't like it here though. This valley's dark. Be patient. I'm struggling. Be patient. Our God is always on time. I'm angry. Be patient. He heals. I carry a grudge. Time heals all wounds? Not really. Sometimes it festers wounds. It mostly does. If you had an infection in your arm, and you said, "Well, time will heal that." No, probably won't. Your arm's going to rot off, and you might die. Right, right. If we say that spiritually. It's truthful that there's some here who are carrying grudges and anger from decades ago. Time will heal all wounds. No, Jesus is the only thing that does that. He heals all wounds. Bring them to Jesus today, now. He tells us again to be patient. But he tells us to establish. Establish your hearts. How do you establish your heart? Is that some kind of fancy Jewish or uh, uh, Christianities? Christianitys? You know, Christianese, you know. You got to sow to go. You got to give to live. You know, we say all those things, they don't really How are you feeling highly favored, brother? And that's a, it sounds fancy you don't. You don't really know what that means. What's establish your heart mean? James, what are you talking about? It means whatever in the morning if the alarm wakes you up or the chicken across the street the rooster goes "Ah, ah," and wakes you up the the, the light breaks through the window and wakes you up if your alarm clock wakes you up because you got to get up before the sun no matter what stirs you in the morning you open your eyes and you look through the ceiling you say Lord I submit myself and all that I am to your glory today Establish me in your presence. All that I am, where will we go today, God? What will I say on your behalf? How will I speak to my co-workers or my family today to represent you and your mercy and your grace? Establishing your heart is what James says. Somebody looking at me like they're mad. It ain't my words. This is God speaking to His people. Establish your heart where have you establish your heart in what I want to do and what my friends want me to do. What the culture says I should be. We live in a society where we can't even define what a woman is. But we see here that James tells you to establish your heart with patience. I don't like that. That don't sound fun. There's no excitement here. That's a lot of personal work that has to take place on my behalf. I've got to do this. I've got to establish myself in you. Uh, I want you to turn to 2 Peter. Keep your finger here in James. We're going to come back. Second Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3. He tells us here that we are to establish our hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. That means He's coming back. Our God will return. Our Jesus will put His foot on the Mount of Olives and it will no longer be a Mount of Olives. It will be a Valley of Olives. You can call it that if you want to. But our Jesus literally, physically will return. We really believe as Christians that He physically died on the cross. He literally, factually, historically died for three days, he was dead. Rigor mortis said it. He was dead in a grave and rose again. Actuality. The reason I reiterate that is because I was a youth pastor for about 15 years and I had a little girl say, you mean he really was dead? Yeah, he's really dead. He really... I'm not talking about fairy tales up here. He really literally died and rose again. And he physically will return. I'm putting the cookies on the bottom shelf for anybody who ain't smelling what I'm cooking. We really believe Jesus is coming back. Yes, Until then we establish our hearts and we're patient. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 3. First of all, you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come and scoff. Following their own evil desires, they will say, Where is His coming He promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it's been since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water with water. By water also the world that time has divulged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promises as some understand slowness. 2 Peter chapter 3, 3 through 9. I got a question. If you are over 50 years old in here, and if you don't mind, if you have heard it said in your days that Jesus is coming soon, lift your hand. You've heard it. And now as you grow older, we still say it. And you might say, well, it's been a long time. Is He still coming? We see here in the book of James that was written almost 2,000 years ago that James said, Jesus is coming soon. And here we are 2,000 years later in our lifetime, we're still saying that He's coming soon. Well, you just read in 2 Peter that a day is as is a 1,000 years with the Lord. Mm-hmm. To help you wrap your head around that, as we're an agricultural community here, everywhere we drive we see a field and we understand how that works. Anybody ever heard of a mayfly? A fly, it's just a gnat. Usually the lifespan of a mayfly or a gnat is about a day. And if a mayfly or a gnat were to fly over a pond, he would look down in the pond and see a tadpole. Well, a tadpole takes a little while to become a frog. So the mayfly, who is only going to live a day, will look at the tadpole and say, that's just a tadpole and that's all that'll ever be. However, the tadpole is going to return become a, become a frog. Do you see how the span of a lifespan looks in the light of eternity? For 2,000 years ago, they said and heralded that Jesus is coming back. Two thousand years, he has tarried in his mercy. Do you know why he has tarried? Do you know why he has paused it and slowed it down? And do you know why he tells us to be patient? It's because there's people to be saved. There's people to hear the gospel. If he came back yesterday, let's be honest, some of us will be in hell and some of us will be left behind. Some of us will be ruined. If he tarries 10 more years, God be the glory. That I can tell somebody about Jesus because it's that important. I'm not praying that he puts it off a decade. Don't get me wrong. But if he it does, it's for his glory. Because somebody needs to hear it. Your family, your children your grandchildren and if he tarries your great 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 grandchildren can hear the good news of the gospel that Jesus is coming back and when he comes back he will deal with sinners the first time he dealt with sin he died the sin was placed on him he was crushed on our behalf to save sinners but when he returns he won't come like a meek little Jewish carpenter With calloused hands. Being pushed around by the Pharisees. The eastern sky will split open. He will be in all His glory. And all of the earth, all of us will hide our faces from Him. And He will deal with sinners. So whoever you are, if you're in not right standing with the King of all glory, I would not even squirm out of my seat today. I would bow the knee... Literally, figuratively, spiritually before an almighty God. And thank Him that He did not come a decade ago. Thank Him that He did not come 20 years ago. Thank Him that He did not come a thousand years ago because He would have dealt with sinners and that's us. And He tarries today. Truly He tells us to be patient. But really He's being patient with us He has allowed us to come again here at the river another Sunday night to hear the good news, to encourage us, to let us know that our God is in the heavens. He's on our side. He has fought for us. He's fought over us and He keeps us. Be patient. And I will end on this note in Revelation chapter 22 verse 7. That's the last book in your Bible. I had a friend... Who said I can never read a book? I like to read it to. Th- I like to get to the end and read it. I don't. I can't handle the suspense in between. Uh, I won't tell you who she is. She's over here. She's on the front row. It's Dana. She. She says I-, I like to go look at the. Re- I like to read the end of the book. I. I can't take the suspense. Well, this is a spoiler for anybody. In Revelation twenty-two verse seven, behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the word of the prophecy of this book. He's not just talking about the book of Revelation. He's talking about your collection of sixty-six books here that you have in your hand. He says, "I'm coming soon." Jesus is coming soon. Will he, Will he find you faithful? Will he find you going about what he commanded you to do? Will he find you slacking on the job? I ask this quite often. Imagine you had a little maid or a butler in your house who was a servant. Their job is to take care of the, the homestead, take care of the family, feed everybody, make sure everything is, is on the up and up. But you find them slacking off. You find them throwing their feet up, and as the things around that they're responsible for taking care of goes by the wayside, and they're selfish, they don't clean up after themselves, and they don't do anything you ask them to do or command them to do. What will you do with such an unfaithful servant? Fire him, amen. What will he do with you? Do you serve him, what He called you to do? Do you submit yourself? Do you establish your heart to him? back in James chapter five, You also be patient. Establish your heart for coming of the Lord is at hand. I'm not a doom and gloom type of preacher. I don't believe it. They say I'm a spitfire fireball preacher. That's fine. I'll take that. I like to be a preacher of hope, a preacher of mercy. I preach you that Jesus is coming back. That's right. Oh, He's coming back. That should not strike fear in your If you're scared that Jesus is coming back, that's because you're not on good terms with Him. You don't want to see Jesus for the same reason a cat burglar don't want to find a police officer. I don't, to, I don't want to see a police officer. I just don't. I mean, He's bad for business. If your business is sinning, your business is wickedness, you don't want to seek the King of glory because He will deal with you personally. But for those who serve Him, And love Him who are working diligently to what He called you to do. Now, your diligently looks different than mine. I'm called to be faithful behind this pulpit. Teaching and delivering God's Word verse by verse, chapter by chapter as He sees fit. Yours could be cooking brownies for shut-ins. Yours could be writing cards for those who are not able to make it to church. Yours could be prayer for those who are laboring in the vineyard. Your ministry looks different than mine. Your ministry could be witnessing and being and establishing light there on your job wherever it is. Your ministry looks different than mine. My pulpit looks like this. Yours might be a steering wheel because you drive for a living. Yours might be different because you work in a factory, but you are still called. You might not be a preacher, but you will reach somebody for Jesus. Why? He's coming soon. He's coming soon. That should strike joy in your heart. That we'll see our bridegroom face to face. And he tells his people, be patient. Continue what you're doing. Don't grow weary. Keep doing it. I'm with you. I have not forsaken you. I have not forgotten you. Be encouraged here tonight. On this Independence Weekend, we're not independent of Him. I know that we 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 threw off England. We don't want nothing to do with England. We don't. Eh, we don't need drink their tea. Would well, they drink their tea with a pinky? Now we don't do that. <laughs> we're free of that. Now we're free, but not free of Him. A lot of times we like to declare our independence. I don't need nothing. I don't need nobody. But then we come across verses like. John, First John it says, he holds all things together by the power of his word. That means he holds the fabric of reality together by just speaking. That's our God. We can never be independent of that. So whoever you are, if you're not in right standing with him, cry out to him for our Jesus is coming soon. Let us bow our heads. Father, thank you tonight for...